One of the psalmists said it this way. He said, had it not been for the Lord who was on my side, I would have been swallowed up. But he's faithful. I've been in the hospital where I shouldn't have made it out, but he's faithful. I've been through some things where I almost lost my mind, but <laughs> he's faithful. I've had loss in my life, and so have you, but he's faithful. I've been through valleys that I did not understand, but he's faithful. And I've been through some nights where I've wept until I went to sleep and couldn't sleep very well, but I woke up in the morning and said, Oh, God, I may not know why I'm where I am, but I know one thing. You are faithful, and he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He'll go with you to the end of the world, my friend. He's on your side. Give the Lord a mighty hand clap of praise. Would you do it? We love you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Well, as you return to your seats, I'll echo what Brother Gunderman said. Y'all look nice. You sound great. And uh, here we are gathered in the presence of the Lord. You may be seated, yes. Gathered in the presence of the Lord. And I would say to you, happy Resurrection Sunday. We are here to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Can you say amen? We want Brother Bryce to know who wanted to be here today. Uh, but drove himself to the hospital just about an hour or so ago uh, with shortness of breath. He said, I'm going to drive myself because I want my family to go to church. And they are here, and I know they're concerned about their dad and their husband and their loved one, but we want him to know that we had special prayer for him a while ago in the, in the vestibule, and I believe God is touching his body even right now. We want brother and sister Moore to know who are still trying to get over the virus um, and are, are sick still. We're praying for you, and uh, God is going to touch you even today as you watch this service. I believe God is going to heal people and bring them out of this thing. Amen. We're glad you were here today. Look at your neighbor and smile, your best smile. Come on. Some of us, some of you haven't smiled in two years. Since they shut the world down, you haven't smiled. And here we are. We're open back up for business. Two Easter's ago, can I remind you of where we've been? Two Easter's ago, I stood here all by myself. Me and Rob Barrow, Sister Barrow, I think, was here. Maybe my wife was here. I don't know. There was about four of us here. And you all were at home with your coffee and your PJs. And the East, all the stores, the department stores, didn't know what to do with all the Easter outfits and all the kids' suits and everything. <laughs> they just stayed on the shelves. You got a good deal the next Easter. And you just sat home in your PJs and your coffee, and, and, uh, and, we, and we preached through live stream. And then one year ago, Easter, we were still trying to keep the crowd sizes down, and so we had our church split in two groups. But on Easter, we split you in thirds. First time I've ever tried to split the church was during COVID. And we had you in threes, and so we had three identical services last Easter and everybody who sang and everybody who greeted and everybody who worked remembers it very well <laughs> because at the end of the day we knew we had been through three it's one thing to do two or three services but it's another thing to preach the same sermon sing the same songs you got to keep your heart in it that last time you're just like we really do we believe what we're singing we're just this is our third time and if you know Pentecostal churches, we sing them 500 times. So it was our 1,500 times singing that chorus by the third service. Amen. 
I want to tell you what a blessing it is to stand here before you today. As Brother Gunderman said, you could have gone, our guests especially, you could have gone to church anywhere and you chose to come and be with us here in Ellisville on this very special day as we celebrate our Lord and our Savior's resurrection from the grave. Um, singers, can I, can I do this and not sound proud, but I, I, I am proud. I'm Holy Ghost proud of our singers and our musicians who come up here every Sunday, every Wednesday, and they, uh, they practice and they work and all of that, but they are an anointed group, and I want them to know how much we really do appreciate them leading us into the presence of the Lord. Amen. I, I, I'll be honest with you, years ago when I first started preaching and pastoring, I um, labored for weeks and months about Easter morning. Uh, <laughs> what am I going to preach? And, uh, and I, fast forward 20 some years now and I got here today, I don't, I still, I'm, I'm standing here, I don't know what I'm going to preach right now. Um, not that I don't, that I'm not concerned about it, it's just that I've learned a few things in the past few years, and that is that really every Sunday's Easter around here. Every Sunday we celebrate resurrection, and uh, we really don't do, to be honest with you, we're not doing anything differently today other than we got uh, a backdrop for you to get your picture taken without in the vestibule. And uh, if you know us at all, that's not even that unusual. We take every opportunity we can to take pictures of each other. But um, we really don't do things that unusual on Easter morning because we celebrate. We celebrate. Every time we gather here, we're celebrating the fact. That's what our whole faith is based upon is an empty tomb. Think about this. Jesus, Jesus was buried in a borrowed tomb, a borrowed tomb. Say that. Say borrowed tomb. You don't say that very often. A borrowed grave? There's no rentals out there for graves. And there's nobody, there's no Facebook groups about if you want to borrow a grave, you know. You don't borrow graves. You borrow golf clubs and tools and maybe a truck to move. You don't borrow a grave. Unless you intend to vacate it pretty soon. And Jesus knew when he got in that grave, he wasn't going to stay in that grave. So he had a grave that was only three days used because the Lord of Lords, our Savior, rose from the grave on the third day. His body is not there. That's why we worship. That's why, that's why we celebrate. Every day we celebrate a resurrected Savior. Somebody said amen. Amen. So go with me, flow with me if you would up there. I don't think I gave you these scriptures. Isaiah 38, Isaiah 38, 17. Let me show you something here. I, 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 um, we're told in the book of Psalms to, the psalmist instructs us to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Uh, those words are directing us as to how to come in to his presence, to enter his courts. He says to come in with thanksgiving and with praise. That's the way we enter. Everybody say enter. That's just the entrance. That's just talking about the entrance of the tabernacle, the entrance, uh, the gate of the tabernacle plan or the, or the temple or the, the way we come into the presence of Jesus. That's just the entrance. 
praise, thanksgiving, worship. Jesus' crucifixion, think about it. I'll get to this scripture in a moment. Isaiah 38, 17, that's where we'll go here in just a moment. But They spat on him. They did, our Savior, our, our God, they spat on him. They grabbed handfuls of beard. And uh, I'm looking for somebody that maybe would let me grab a handful, just demonstrate. And I don't think I'd have any volunteers. You just like to keep, you just keep it the way, that's right, I understand. They grabbed Jesus and plucked it off of his face. They uh, stripped him of his robe to shame him and they beat him with their fists. Our Savior, the Lord, led him to a scourging post. There they tied him. They didn't need to tie him because he wasn't going to leave, but they bound him to that post as custom was. And there they took the cat of nine tails, that terrible tool of torture. Strands of leather embedded in it were sharp bones, glass fragments, so that when it was laid upon the skin, it didn't just leave whelps, it ripped away the flesh. And 39 of those lashes he would endure. And then they put that cross on his back, that heavy burden, and he marched up Calvary's hill, and there they nailed his hands and his feet. They plaited and formed, fashioned a crown, a mock crown made of thorns, and they compressed it down upon his skull, our Savior, the Lord wrote the inscription, King of Kings, and put it above his head as he hanged there on that cross. And then they would pierce his side and they would take down his lifeless body after Jesus would say the words, It is finished. Folks, that tells it all right there. What I really want to talk to you about today is, is, is really encapsulated in those three words, that short phrase. Put an, put an exclamation point on the end of that phrase. It is finished. When Jesus uttered those words, he was not speaking about his last breath or his body giving up the ghost, although that happened, but he was really talking about all the issues, all the problems, all of the ramifications and repercussions of this thing that we call sin. He's saying, I've put an end to it all once and for all. I've become the propitiation. I've, I've provided the perfect sacrifice so they can be redeemed, so they can be reconciled so my people can have relationship with me. He said everything that sin has eaten away, it is finished. In essence, he was saying sin is no longer a contender over my people, can no longer have them bound, no longer is there no hope, now there's hope, no longer is there no hope, now there's hope. And when we speak, I love the song we sing, when we speak Jesus, we're really invoking not just his name, but everything that comes along with that name. We're invoking the blood that was shed on Calvary's cross that covers every sin, every affliction, every Every infirmity, every iniquity, it's all covered by the blood of Jesus. When we say Jesus, 
We are invoking everything that happened on that old rugged cross. Somebody shout amen. They did all of that to him. Beat him, smoked him, plucked his beard, spat upon him, stripped him, nailed him to the cross. And may I say this, we should give thanks and praise for that. We should enter with thanksgiving and praise. And then uh, they took his lifeless body and put it in that borrowed grave, that, that tomb, rolled the stone over the mouth of the tomb. It was sealed, it was guarded, it was watched over. And, and then sure enough, we know that three days later, oh hallelujah, victory over death as he, as he vacated that grave, came resurrected out of that grave, raised himself from the dead. And, and, uh, and we should, we should be thankful and we should give praise and we should celebrate the fact that he is risen. But now let me make this statement here, and, and don't, don't check out on me here. But he didn't die for our praise. He did not raise from the dead so that we could celebrate an empty tomb. We should do those things to be sure. But that's not the purpose of his death. So that we could gather and say, oh, thank you, Lord, for dying. He didn't, he didn't come out of the grave so we could gather at Easter once a year and say, oh, we're going to celebrate an empty tomb. That's not why he did those things. We need to understand what I'd like to take just a few minutes, a few minutes of your Easter morning here to tell you why he did what he did. I want to preach today on why he did those things. Bring that scripture up, if you would, Isaiah 38, 17. Let me just, I, I don't know, I'm going to jump around a little bit here, and I won't keep you very long. This scripture just kind of, the Lord laid it on my heart earlier this morning. Behold, for peace I had great bitterness, but thou, Lord, thou hast in love to my soul delivered it from the pit of corruption. For, look at this, for thou hast cast all my sins. I'm, I'm looking for somebody that's real book smart. Who's book smart? Anybody book smart? What's all mean? <laughs> What's all mean? Let me help you. You really can't improve on the word all. All means all. And you can go through all those descriptions you just gave and you're going to come back to the word. It just means all. Doesn't leave anything out. All complete. All inclusive. Doesn't leave anything. All. And that's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says he did with your sins. All. He, he says thou hast. The Lord has cast all. Yep. I'm giving you a minute to go through the list. Your list. Not my list. Your list. That one, Pastor? Yep, all. That thing I did? All. All my sins. Thou hast cast behind thy back. Caleb, come here, buddy. <clears throat> I want you to face that way. You're back to the crowd. And I want you to tell me something. 
How many fingers am I holding up? I told him earlier, just say, I don't know. And he's guessing. And if he guesses the right number, he's going to totally mess up my example here. So just stick to the script. How many fingers am I holding up? I don't know. Why don't you know? I can't, I can't see it. You can't see it. Why? I, I, I'm not, I don't have eyes in the back of my head. That's right. It's because it's behind your back. You did good. Thank you. Just don't write my scripts and we'll be all right. He's going to start guessing numbers and go, oh, he's going to get it right. Here's the point. You know why you couldn't see how many fingers I had behind Because it was behind your back. Jesus said, I cast all your sins behind my back. He, he can't see them anymore. They're behind his back. He doesn't see them anymore. More. You need to get this. This is what happened on Calvary's cross. All of our sins, he has cast them behind him and seized them no more, never to be remembered against you again. I want to help somebody this morning. I, I didn't come to beat anybody down. I came to lift somebody up. I want to encourage you today. You know, the Bible talks about your sins being cast into a sea of forgetfulness, a sea. Cast them into the sea. We use that terminology, the sea of forgetfulness. They tell me that they know that the deepest point of the sea, at least that they know of, is about five miles deep. Nobody's ever been there, and unless they create some really neat technology, nobody's ever going to go there. And that's where your sins have been cast, is to the very deepest regions of the sea. They can never be retrieved. They can never be remembered against you. Nobody's going diving over those sins. They have been cast into the sea because of the work of Calvary. Thou hast cast all my sins behind thy back. Bring me up Romans 8.1. Would you do that? Romans 8.1. Where Paul says, there is therefore now no. Any book smart people here? <laughs> What's no mean? No in this context means absolutely none. None. You can't improve on that word. No. So we have all. Can't improve on all. No. Can't improve on no. No. How much condemnation is there? No. no, none, none, absolutely none. No condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. My grandma, we, I called her ma'am, we called her ma'am, my dad's mother. Love her dearly, miss her every day. She served the Lord her whole life. She was raised by a Pentecostal preacher, one of 13 girls, and they had one boy. I've told this story often. You know that boy was prayed up. <laughs> 14 kids, they were all raised to love the Lord, serve the Lord. Not all of those 14 kids grew up to serve the Lord, but she sure did. She served the Lord. I watched that woman serve God, go to church without her husband, serve God without her husband, saw her prayer life, saw her Bible reading, saw her commitment. She, if anybody, if, 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 if ma'am didn't make it to heaven, folks, we all in trouble. On her deathbed, she said the words, something to the effect of, I just hope, I hope I've done enough. I hope I've, I hope he's pleased with me. 
She had concern in her heart about her service to the Lord. Now be careful with what I'm about to say because I'm not indicting anybody or anything. But, and I love, I love old-time Pentecost. I'm, it's the biggest fan. I am old-time Pentecost. The only thing I don't like about some of the old-time Pentecost is <clears throat> that. I don't know if we were careful enough to make people understand you do not work your way into heaven. And we still got some old timers that are still struggling with that. They prayer, their, their prayer life consists almost entirely of repentance, 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 because they do not understand that he cast all your sins behind his back. I, I, I rise against that spirit today, that spirit of shame and guilt and condemnation that would make somebody, Sister Alot, who loves the Lord and serves God and prays every day and does their best to please the Lord and serve the Lord, to make anybody feel like they, they have to work their way. You, listen, even, even if you try, you cannot work your way into grace. You cannot work your way into God's mercy. You cannot work your way into heaven. You will never work your way. The only way to get to heaven is through His grace his mercy and his mercy says when you repent of your sins I'm going to put it behind my back I'm going to throw it cast it into the sea never to be remembered against you again I'm going to throw it as far as the east is from the west there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. There certainly is a Christian lifestyle that we need to live. We need to walk in the Spirit. We need to walk in His Word. Don't misunderstand me. That's all there. But our, 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 our entrance into the body of Christ, our entrance into being born again has absolutely nothing to do with how many hours you pray and how many things you don't do and how many things you do and how many work days. By the way, thank you to all of you that showed up to work day yesterday and all of you that were here in spirit and not in flesh because you wanted to be and couldn't be here. Thank you for being here. We got a lot done yesterday. But you're, I'm sorry to tell you this. It won't get you into heaven. It just doesn't. It doesn't go to that side of the chalkboard where Jesus says, oh, he showed up one more work day and you get to go to heaven. No punch cards with Jesus. Oh, oh, I see. I see you showed up to pray again, Brother Brandon. Give me your card. Punch. That's not Grace. And the reason we struggle so much, I'm convinced of this, so many people struggle. They struggle, they struggle, they struggle with coming to church because they come to church and they feel guilty. They struggle with praying, they go to prayer and they feel guilty. They, they struggle, somebody preaches about faith and they say, oh God, I believe in faith, I wish I had, but oh, I'm just so, they feel guilty, they feel condemned, they feel ashamed over something they, they've done in the past. And I just came to tell you today that the work of Calvary is all about no condemnation. No condemnation. All your sins behind him. Somebody ought to say amen to that. Watch this, Colossians 2, 13. 
Paul says, and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Wow. Wow. And sometimes we approach the Lord as though maybe, possibly, he's forgiven some trespasses. I don't mean to sound crass, but when you, when you think in terms like that, you're calling God a liar. His word says it. I didn't say it. His word says it. Having forgiven you all trespasses. We're not even done yet. Paul's just warming up. Verse 14. Blotting out. I talked about it here recently. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. See, here's the problem with some of us. When we visualize our lives, when we visualize our record in our spiritual eye, we see all the things that are written against us, all the ordinances, all the laws, all the things we've done wrong, and we can go through them, and nobody can catalog them like you can catalog them, and you know everything you've done wrong. You see it written there, and um, the Bible says, no, that's not written there. What you need to see is your name written in the Lamb's book of life. That's what's written there. The Bible says he's blotted out the handwriting of ordinances that was against you. And, and, and then, then and some, of you, some of you do a little better. Some of you do a little better because you, when you look at it, you see, well, it's there, but it's been, it's been crossed out. But that's not what it says either. I mean, crossed out. It's not there. It's not there. You know, I've, I've, read, I've read things before where I can, it's crossed out, but I can still see what was there. Amen? If you look hard enough, you can make out what was there. But that's not what, that's not what the Bible said. Didn't, didn't cross it out. He blotted it out. That means it is gone. It's been totally blotted out. It's covered by his blood. It is as though it never happened. That's what he has done with every ordinance that was written against you. You ought to rejoice today. Because you should have gone to hell, but you're not. If the blood has been applied to your life. If you've repented over your sins, he's forgiven your sins. If you've been baptized in the name of Jesus, your sins have been blotted out. They've been washed away. They're never to be remembered against you again. That's why every Sunday is Easter Sunday around here. We're, we are so acutely aware of where we should be compared to where we are. What I should be stuck in, but what he's brought me out of. I should have gone to hell, but I'm on my way to heaven. I should be, I should be accountable for every sin I've ever done, but he's blotted it out. It's never going to be read against Oh, come on, I know some of you are guests, but why don't you go ahead and clap for the fact that Jesus has blotted out your sins. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody shout amen. Somebody shout amen. I love this. I love these scriptures. We don't read them enough. Praise God. Can I continue just a little bit longer? Watch this. I, I did not pause for you to answer. I just moved right on. 
I've been doing this a long time. Paul's just warming up. He says he blotted out those handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us. That means if they were read, they would condemn you. And took it out of the way. (laughs) Watch this. Nailing it. They thought they were nailing Jesus to the cross. What they didn't understand, they didn't see the invisible work that took place before they ever nailed Jesus to the cross. Jesus had already accumulated and gathered up. The Bible says he who knew no sin became sin. So that when he marched up that hill, Brother Southern, and when he was put upon that cross, it was not just he that was on the cross, but every one of our sins. He became sin. Think of that. He who knew no sin became sin so that we who are sinners can know no sin and we can have no sin read against us no condemnation he who knew no sin became sin and the Bible says that um, he took it out of the way by nailing it they thought they were nailing Jesus to the cross they didn't know brother Barrow they were nailing your sins to the cross amen Bill, they were nailing your sins to the cross when they nailed Jesus to the cross. Jesus stepped up and said, I know. I know they've lied. I know they've stolen. I know. I know they've cheated. I know. I know about all that adultery. I know about all that lust. I know about all that junk. I know. I know the devil, there's no accusation you can make that I don't already know. And the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, he commended, he directed his love toward us. He said, I know, I know what Dan Gunderman's going to do. I know what Ed Bunch is going to do. Lay it on. Put it on. Bring it on. Because Ed Bunch can't give the sacrifice for his own sins because you're not a spotless sacrifice. You did not know no sin. You knew sin. And the only one who knew no sin was Jesus Christ. And so he said, whatever Ed Bunch has done, lay it on my account. Whatever Brendan did, lay it on me. Say, well, I wasn't born yet. He knew. Tina, yep, put it on here. Yep, yep, I know. Kim, Evan, yep, I know. Put it on you. Lay lay it on, I know. You wonder why when he got to the Garden of Gethsemane, he was praying and his sweat became, as it were, great drops of blood. It wasn't just that it was hot in the garden. It wasn't just that he was under stress of the prayer. Your sins were being laid on him. That, That Garden of Gethsemane, the olive mill, as it were, where the olives were to come under the press and compress and the wine or the, or the juice that was extracted, the oil extracted. That's what was happening to Jesus under the pressure, the weight of your sins, everything you ever committed. Yep, lay it on, lay it on, lay it on. So when he marched up Calvary, it wasn't just the cross he was carrying. It was every sin of every human being that had ever and would ever be committed. And the Bible says he laid there. He didn't have to die. They didn't take his life. He gave his life. They didn't take his blood. He shed his blood. He took your sins, my sins, and he, the Bible says, he nailed it to his cross. It should have been
but he nailed it to his cross. Oh, that's why we celebrate. It doesn't make sense to celebrate a death, but it does when you understand. He nailed all of my sins to his cross. You ought to take 30 seconds and clap your hands and give the Lord praise for nailing it to his cross, for taking it out of the way, for blotting it out. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your love. Thank you for it. Amen, amen, amen. 15. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. So we could say that the purpose statement of the cross is to forgive all our trespasses, to cancel the written code that was against us and that stood opposed to us, to, to take it away. Nail it to his cross. That's the purpose of his death on the cross. Let that soak in this Easter resurrection morning. My sins, your sins, he nailed them all to his cross. And that's what Paul is saying. That's what Paul is saying. He, Jesus, nailed all our trespasses and the writing of the sentence for those trespasses that were against us. He nailed them to his cross. Let me break it down. He, Jesus, Jesus, the only one who had all power to do with our sins whatsoever he desired. He, not the Romans, not the mob, he nailed it, nailed it, our sins and our sentence. He gathered them, took them, placed them, then once and for all nailed them. Now, now that's, that's the who, Jesus, and that's the what. Um, uh, the where is his cross, to his cross. He could have placed my sins wherever he desired, but he placed them on his cross. He chose to nail them to his cross. And then he said, all right, I've gotten the sins of all my people nailed to my cross. Now the only thing missing is the sacrifice. So then he became the lamb for sinners slain. When we say he died is really to only tell part of the story. Paul said in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15, if you don't mind to bring that up. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 3, he, Paul says, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. But that's not all the story. Verse 4, and that he was buried um, but that's not all the story. Uh, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. He goes on, Paul does, to express to them the extreme significance and absolute relevance of the resurrection of our Lord. In verse 13, we'll skip down to verse 13, same chapter. But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then Christ then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching in vain, and your faith is also in vain. Yea, 
That's why we rejoice over a resurrection, by the way. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he has raised up Christ, whom he raised up, uh, not up. If, if, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. Now, I've told you what he's done for us. Thank God. Let me show you what he's going to do. For if the dead raise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, 17, your faith is in vain, and ye are yet in your sins. So the cross doesn't mean anything if he's still in the tomb. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. So the dead are stuck where they are if he, hadn't, if he didn't raise from the dead. If in this life only we have hope, Paul says, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. So thank God he died on the cross and thank God we can gather here and we can sing our songs and worship him and praise him and preach the word of God. But if it's just, if it's just this life is all it's all about, then, then, then that's a miserable existence. But Paul says, that's not what it's all about. Let me tell you what's coming. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. But he says, verse 20, now is Christ risen. We would say it this way today in our English. We would say, but now Christ is risen. <laughs> I told you about if he wasn't, if he isn't, if he isn't, if he wasn't, we're in trouble. But he, let me just assure you, he is. <laughs> All of that doesn't mean anything. I was, just, I was just telling you, if he hadn't risen, we're in trouble. But thank God we celebrate that he is risen from the dead that's the good news that's the good news that's the reason we celebrate today he is risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept verse 21 says for since by adam came death by man came also the resurrection of the dead adam death jesus life Adam, death, Jesus, resurrection. Amen. So Adam represents the flesh and Jesus represents uh, the spirit. So don't live in the flesh, live in the spirit. When you live in the flesh, that's why you get stuck in condemnation. You're living after Adam. Live in Jesus and you'll have resurrection. Well, that's good preaching right there. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. <laughs> Oh, thank you, Jesus. Can I just take a minute here? No, I'm not waiting for an answer. Just a minute here. I know some of you are thinking, no, you can't take a minute to do anything. You take several minutes. Leave me alone. I know what you guys are thinking. But let me just real quickly discuss what the resurrection accomplished and, and, and the power of the resurrection and what it means to us. And it's not just so we could meet on Easter Sunday. and It's more than that. So first, first, it is a confirmation of who Jesus is. All the teaching, all the miracles, all the works, Peter's revelation, Jesus' promises of eternal life, power, heaven, even the cross, all of it means nothing without the resurrection. It was confirmation that he is God. Secondly, it frees us, frees us from our sins. Paul says in Romans 6, 5, For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. 
You're freed from sin because of his resurrection. We died with Christ. We were raised with Christ. Sin has no power over a dead person. And now we walk in freedom from sin. The moment I was born again, I experienced a spiritual death, repentance, burial, baptism, and resurrection when he filled me with his spirit. And I no longer serve sin. I am no longer a slave to sin. The chains are broken. The yoke is destroyed. I want to say that again. The chains, they weren't removed and laid aside. They were broken. The yoke wasn't removed and put aside. It was destroyed. So don't go back to those chains. They're broken. And don't go back to that yoke. It's been destroyed. I am free in him. You are free in him. And thirdly and lastly, third and last, it gives a blessed assurance. A blessed assurance his resurrection does of eternal life. Uh, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 51, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and the mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Emily, your sweet grandfather, we put his body in the ground, and, but his, his spirit's gone on to be in the presence uh, of the Lord. But one of these days, it won't be very long. That grave isn't going to hold him. Listen, uh, uh, Jordan and Emily have two boys, five and four. This is uh, Emily's grandfather, brother senior, passed away last Sunday. We just buried him Friday. And uh, Friday. And so we had the boys with us because they were so busy with uh, funeral stuff and that kind of thing. And the boys were with us. And, man, five-year-olds are inquisitive. First time they've ever dealt with death. They didn't, didn't, didn't try to explain where their papa is and explain, you know, they're all about that. You've got to explain this. When they've never experienced it before, you've got to explain all the spiritual stuff. And, man, five-year-olds can go from being very deep spiritually to uh, <laughs> you're talking about the, how do they, they're just going to throw him in that hole? They go from the, the deep to the, to the deep <laughs> very quickly. And he wanted to know everything. So trying to explain. And I tell you, more than once, I had to say, you'll understand this more. Here's the, they had to give him the simple explanation. But we under, you'll understand it more when you're older. But here's the, here's the thing. You want to know the truth? I'm 50. I'll be 55 in a few days. And there's still so much of it. I just don't, I don't know. I don't understand at all. I don't understand at all. I don't understand how, how, when the trumpet sounds, uh, the body we buried, going to come out of the grave. The grave has no hold. 
well, not that body, a new body. It's going to be glorified body. It's going to be like Jesus. You book smart people. No, over your pay grade here. Sorry, you can't explain this either. You can't tell me how that, that corruptible puts on incorruption, how the mortal puts on immortality. We can't explain that. So trying to explain to a five-year-old something that a 55-year-old doesn't really understand. Either. I don't know how it happens. I just know what the Bible says is going to happen. I know that our Savior, who we serve, died and was in a grave. He came out of the grave, and now he turns around and says, everybody that dies in me when the trumpet sounds, their body's going to be a new body, and they're going to come up out of the grave, and their spirit's going to reunite with their new body, and they're going to spend eternity. Try to explain that to a 5-year-old. Try to explain that to a 55-year-old or a 105-year-old. All I know is I'm thankful that I know that his resurrection gives us victory over death and the grave and so your papa gonna come out of that grave very soon every time I go to a funeral I, I, I just think to myself this could be the last funeral I attend I believe Jesus is coming that soon I do. I believe it. Wouldn't it be weird? Wouldn't you, can you imagine being the grave digger that's throwing the dirt on the grave when the trumpet takes place, or the trumpet sounds, I don't know what I was going to have. I don't know if they're physically going to pop. I don't know all that stuff. But if it did, I, I hope you're saved if you're that grave digger. No, you're going to die of a heart attack and go to hell, you know. Come on, somebody. Stay in my notes. Stay in my notes. We don't want the guests to know how weird our pastor is. <laughs> Every born-again Christian who is buried is going to come out of the grave. And he says, uh, and we which are alive and remain. That's the blessed assurance of the resurrection that we are going to heaven. That we will have eternal life. Death, where is your sting? Grave, you don't have any victory. You had it and you lost it. Amen. Amen. Music's coming. I just came to tell you today that whatever you need can be found in a resurrected Savior, Jesus. You heard me right. Whatever you need, you can find it in Jesus. Amen. So the psalmist says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving, enter his courts with praise. But that's talking about the way we enter. And Jesus didn't die just so we could praise him. He didn't go to the tomb and empty the tomb and raise from the dead just so we could celebrate. That, that's wonderful and that's all well and good. But the Lord showed me this just a day or two ago, that if, if, if we just celebrate his resurrection and we just praise him because he thank him because he died on the cross that's just entry that's just entry level connection the psalmist didn't say oh come into his gates with thanksgiving and his gates with praise and and uh, and then go into because you got to think about the tabernacle if you don't know about the tabernacle plan in the old testament there were gates 
And then as soon as you entered the gate, you're in the outer court. And in the outer court, there was the, the brazen altar where they offered the sacrifices for sins. There was the brazen labor where the priests washed. Those things represent repentance in the New Testament and baptism in the, in the New Testament. The brazen labor does. And then you had the inner court. Uh, you're past the gates. You're only in the gate for a second. You walk in the gate. I mean, how long does it take you to get through a gate? Some of us longer than others, but not very long. And then you're in the you're in the court, repentance, baptism. Then you're in the tent. In the tent, we've got the candlestick and the table of shewbread, and we've got the and we. I'm waiting on y'all. I'm stretching this out, waiting on y'all to get up here. I was done five minutes ago. <laughs> They're looking at me like, "Are you ready?" Yeah, I was ready. Come on. Let's get these people prayed through today. Amen. <laughs> Table of shewbread, candlestick, altar of incense. That's all in the tent. Table of shewbread is the word of God represents for us today. The altar of incense, that's our communion with God, our prayer, our praise, our worship. The candlestick, the illuminating power of the spirit of the Lord. That's all there in that inner court and then there's that veil and beyond the veil there's that ark of the covenant which represents the, the, the presence of God to us today it would be indicative and typical of the Holy Ghost and so now what if we bring that into the New Testament realm the, 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 then the writer's not telling us to just come in and make our whole relationship based on praise and thanksgiving that's entry level we come into the gate and we say thank you Jesus for dying for our sins and we celebrate that you rose from the dead but the Lord showed me this if all we ever do is show up to say thank you for dying and we're so glad you rose from the dead and then we go back to our homes and our lives for another 364 days and come back another 365 days but show back up oh we thank you and we praise you yeah enter his gates you're just hanging around the gates you're just doing entry level stuff and the Lord said you know that's like getting married and then saying to your wife see you a year from now that's no fun. Amen. And I don't know very many wives that put up with that. Show up on your anniversary. Just want you to know. Thankful for you. Celebrating. See you on your birthday. That's the way we do Jesus. See you December 25th when you were born. By the way, he wasn't born on December 25th. Saw a guy one time, we were on vacation, my wife and I were in Hawaii, the church sent us there one time for, on a cruise, and we were, I don't know, one of the places we ate lunch, and there was a couple sitting nearby us, they engaged us a little bit, we found out they were from Oregon, I believe it was, and uh, found out we were ministers, or I, you know, pastored, and he said, well, I'm a CEO at my church. I, I, I've never heard of that before, but all right. Maybe it's a new job that we need to create at our church to see you. And so I kind of looked at him inquisitively, and he said, I'm a Christmas Easter only. Congratulations. I don't know what to say to that, you know. Christmas and Easter only. Well, let me say this. Thank God he was a CEO. The Lord's glad you show up to celebrate. The Lord's glad you show up to praise and worship. 
I, I assure you, Jesus isn't looking down his nose at anybody that shows up on Easter to celebrate his birthday. Why don't you show up more often? That's not the way he is. This is the way Jesus is. Jesus is saying, he's glad you're here, but Jesus is saying, if you only knew what you're praising me for, the death, what you're celebrating, the resurrection, if you only really understood what that's all about, you wouldn't go home for 364 days. You'd make me your home. You'd enter into relationship with me. Folks, that's what the blood of Jesus is all about. It cleanses your sins. You don't have to come on Easter a sinner and say, well, I recognize you rose from the dead, and I'm glad for that, and I celebrate that, and, and then go home a sinner. You can come a sinner. This is the great thing about Jesus. You can come a sinner, and you leave with your sins behind him never to be remembered against you again that's the power of the blood would you stand with me right now would you stand all over this building now listen I told you old time Pentecost the only the only issue I think I can think of is that one issue is that maybe we were not careful enough to explain to people it's about mercy it's about grace it's not about your works when you get to the end of this life it's about his blood being applied one thing we did in old time Pentecost, we did altar calls. After the preaching, we said, uh, hey, if you believe what I preached today, if the Lord has dealt with your heart, we want you to know this up here, these aren't just steps. These are first and foremost, this is our altar. This is where we come to Jesus and we say, Lord, I want to serve you. God, I want to go beyond the entry. I'm, I, I thank you and I'm thankful for it and I praise you. But God, I want to repent of my sins today. Lord, I want, to, I want a relationship with you. And maybe there's somebody here today, maybe there's many people here today that would like to do that. And we want to give you a chance to come. We're shutting down our live stream right now to shut it down. We don't want anybody to be uncomfortable. If you want to come and pray at this altar, this altar is open to you. Maybe you'd like to pray at your chair. Your, uh, you know how on airplanes your seats are also a flotation device.